today on CityCast Denver. Local author Jenny Shank won the 2020 George Garrett Fiction Prize earlier this year for her new short story collection, Mixed Company. It's finally coming out this month, and I loved it. So I invited her on to talk about the collection's main theme, human connection in a divided Denver. It's funny, I didn't write it with this in mind, but I I recently read an article where there was evidence that when we read about the activities of people who have different political beliefs than us online, we get angrier. But if you actually meet a person and have a conversation with someone that's different to you, then you, you, you tend to like them more. Today is Wednesday, November 10th, 2021. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. I want to tell you about this one aspect of my childhood. When I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, a lot of kids were bused across town to my neighborhood high school, George Washington. It was part of a decades-long effort to desegregate Denver's school system. Before I went to George, I spent almost a decade in Catholic school, among mostly white kids. But high school was so different. It was a trip. It was the most diverse environment I had ever been in. And while conversations about race were happening all around us, I felt like they weren't happening in school. There were student walkouts over racial issues. The O.J. Simpson trial played on TVs at my school and students could watch. But we didn't really talk about it. So I made mistakes and hurt people. I said things I'm not proud of now. I even remember saying something and being removed from class. But the teacher never really explained to me why. And white people like me were the ones who needed to reckon with race and our place in history the most. What I would give to go back in time and have a conversation with 15-year-old me and give her some tools to have these conversations with classmates. And that's why I wanted to talk to Jenny Shank today. Jenny is a fellow middle-aged white lady who grew up in the same part of the city as me, also during Denver's busing era. And I think she's captured some of those complicated feelings that I felt from that time in her new collection of short stories, Mixed Company. Jenny Shank, welcome to CityCast Denver. Thank you for inviting me to CityCast Denver. I feel like it's about time that we like talk to each other and meet because we've had such interesting similar trajectories in our Colorado lives, I feel like. I agree. Because I think you worked at the AV Club. When did you work at the AV Club for The Onion? It was like 2000 to 2006. Yeah, right before they had a Denver office and I worked there too. Yeah. (laughs) So small world. So we're here to talk about your book, Mixed Company. And it's a collection of short stories that you've written over time. But there's definitely a theme to this collection. Can you talk about that theme? Well, the theme of Mixed Company um, came about accidentally because I guess I just always write stories about the same theme. But um, it's basically about people with differences of a number of kinds, different races, different native languages, different genders, different ages, things like that, trying to reach out to each other and connect in some way, whether that's like your next door neighbor or the fellow students that you're bused to school with. I'm just interested in how people navigate those differences um, and don't just throw up their hands and walk away, but actually try to connect with each other. So you just mentioned busing, and I really want to talk about it because one of your stories really reflected my own experience with busing to Denver schools. 
And the story centers on a white middle school student named Emily who's bused to a predominantly black neighborhood. She's trying to navigate conversations and relationships with black and brown kids at her school, but she just doesn't really have the framework to go about it. Why did you want to write about that particular experience? So in that story, it's inspired by my time when I was bused from where I lived in Southeast Denver to Cole Middle School. The way busing worked for me, I was bused to a Latino neighborhood from first to third grade, and then they were bused to my elementary school from fourth to sixth grade. And then seventh grade, I went to a school with a totally new group of students. So I kind of portrayed in Emily that she she lost like half her friends in that transition, and she was trying to make a new friend, but it's kind of hard um, when you live on opposite sides of the city. And so she wasn't really sure how to go about it. She tried to befriend her locker partner because they set up locker partnerships with people on different sides of town. And her locker partner thinks she's kind of goofy, I think. But eventually, she comes to admire um, Emily's art artistic skills. Yeah, I... Oh, my gosh. I'm just having so many thoughts about my locker partner and, like, <laughs> who I was paired with. And, and we couldn't have been more different. You know, I was, like, a white alternative girl that looked like Courtney Love. And my partner, Elizabeth, was this, like, really amazing Chicana girl from El Paso, Texas, who was just, like, the coolest person I'd ever met. But I was, like... I wasn't even in her orbit, you know, and I loved that about Emily and Erica's relationship was like Emily was trying and Erica was kind of like, yeah, whatever, like, welcome to school. But it was, I don't know, it was just, it was so real. The second day of school, I decided to speak to Erica at our locker during a passing period. She already looked like a high schooler, wearing white K-Swiss sneakers with tight acid-washed jeans that showed off her high butt. Her hair was slicked back, and there were two little curls plastered to the side of her face with a product I learned was called Ultra Sheen Hairdressing when I saw a jar of it left out in the locker room after gym class, open and glistening next to a rat tail comb. So, I said to Erica, shifting in my heads, you got art eighth period with Mizomba, right? I figured this was a safe topic. Obviously, she said. Your name's Emily? Yeah, I nodded, eager to make a friend. She crossed her arms over her chest and stared at me until I dropped my eyes. Is your mom black? she asked. No, I said. Is your dad black? she persisted. No. She gave me a good long look. You've got the biggest lips for a white person I've ever seen. Then she shut the locker and walked off. There were so few white kids that light-skinned people were assumed a mix of something unless proven otherwise. I ducked into the bathroom to study my lips before the bell rang. There is no ugly like middle school ugly. My features looked like they were fighting for control of my face, each of them trying to spread out and amass greater territory. My hair was kinked out and my lips were naturally full, but when you added braces and trumpet lessons that left the insides of them cut and swollen, that was a recipe for freak. Um, so it's, we've talked about it a little bit, but there's a couple stories in this collection that really deal with race. And I wonder, you're a white woman writing about race in 2021, um, and it is from the perspective of white folks. Why did you want to 
to share that perspective or write from that place now? I think I've been writing about race my whole writing career because of the way I grew up. I was bused all over the place starting when I was six years old. That's what was interesting about busing in Denver, because I think I think those kind of programs in a lot of places, they take children from the less affluent neighborhood and they bus them to the more affluent neighborhood and say, okay, you can benefit from our um, resources here. But that puts the people that are being bused in sort of a guest position. But in Denver, we were mixed around. We went both ways. And so I was a guest in other people's neighborhoods. And so when I went to Cheltenham Elementary, which was by the Old Mile High Stadium, it was a school that had a curriculum put in place during the Chicano rights movement, really. We had Aztec murals on the walls. We had a lot of stuff that was done in Spanish. You know, we had a Mercado for Cinco de Mayo. And um, I had Native teachers who told me, like, stories about haunted pueblos that I still remember to this day. And that was my first time I heard a ghost story. It was from my classmates. I heard of La Llorona, which is a story I never heard of from my family. So I feel like I was immersed in other cultures from when I was young but I think about what you're asking a lot because um, lately people have begun to realize how how we lack stories from di- diverse perspectives, how they haven't been published and promoted and encouraged historically as much. And it's really, really important to put those forward as much as possible. And I try to do that too in my work as a teacher and a book reviewer and everything I do. I try to encourage people to read outside of their perspectives. There's this really great book of literary criticism called White Flights by Jess Rowe. And he um, observes that it seems like a lot of times white writers who are writing stuff in diverse settings have just eliminated all the non-white people in their stories, pretended that they are not there. And, And as a book reviewer, what I'm seeing is a lot of white writers setting stories in time periods and places where there are no people of color, so they just don't have to worry about it. And for me, so that's those are possible answers, I guess, but none of those is acceptable for me. I have to have everybody in my stories. That's why I called it mixed company. It's a mix of every kind of person, because that's what makes a story to me. And what you're describing in your own childhood, um, the experience of going to a school in a, you know, in a neighborhood with Chicano roots and and learning about that. It's so different to me than the conversations that we often hear about Colorado and Denver is it's so white here. It's so white. And I think that that actually allows a lot of white folks to think that we don't have to talk about race and socioeconomics and these intersections, but you, you challenge that I think, and you, you have those conversations with your characters and I appreciate that in such an honest way to say these are actual conversations we're having, especially among kids, you know, like I just I don't know. I went to Catholic school kindergarten through eighth grade and it was predominantly white. So when I went to public school for high school, it was like I was learning. I was navigating a whole new social world and had no framework for it. And I saw that in so much of your characters. For me, it was a different neighborhood every few years. So like I said, I went um, to that school that had kind of a Chicano rights curriculum. And then I went to um, Five Points. It was amazing because it was when NWA and Public Enemy were popular, but they were not played anywhere on the radio in Denver. 
So I was getting this music from my classmates who had played in the hallway. And I was like, what is this? You know, I was just immersed in this culture. And so it seemed like every few years I switched what culture I was immersed in. And um, it was great because I just got all these different stories, really. This is reminding me of all the recent hoopla over critical race theory. Like you and me grew up with busing and it gave us these experiences and exposure to different kinds of people. And the issue school boards are debating today is kind of the same. Which stories are our kids going to be exposed to? What do you think about that? Stories are additive. You, They don't like telling an additional story does not subtract from the story that you like. It adds to it. It enhances it. And the more stories you can um, expose yourself to, the the more um, rich your background and knowledge is going to be. And so that's what I felt like. My I got an education when I went to the Denver Public Schools. That's what an education is. It's learning things you don't know that your family couldn't teach you, I think. Yeah, and I think learning from our peers, you know? It's not just about going to school to learn from teachers. It's connecting with our peers and really learning about those differences in our families and how we grow up. And it is very apparent when we're, you know, we're shipped across town to another community and we don't really have a frame of reference or root in that community. We have to learn from each other. Um, And that's why I think that's something that I think comes through in your stories. Again, even though they're fictional, I think they're a great introduction to um, some genuine Colorado experiences that might help folks understand our, our city and our state a little better. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, Jenny Shank, thank you for joining me today. That was a great time, Bree. Thank you for talking to me about my book. This conversation with Jenny Shank about her new book had me thinking about an episode we did a few months ago with playwright Alicia Smith-Young. We talked about Denver's complicated legacy of busing, and I think it's a great complimentary discussion to today's episode. We found out that many of the people who were bused had no idea why they were bused. They did not know anything about Mrs. Rachel B. Knoll. I knew about Mrs. Knoll because I'm an educator. I did not know, like, about the Knoll Resolution, which was created by herself and some other board members. And it was to end segregation in schools and to, you know, have a plan. What was the plan to end segregation. There was voluntary busing and Mrs. Knoll and other school board members, they wanted to do more than just voluntary. It had to be a mandate. And here's what else is happening in Denver today. 73 people have died in traffic-related deaths on the streets of Denver so far this year. Nine News reports that this is the highest number of deaths since 2017, the year Mayor Hancock announced the Vision Zero plan. Vision Zero was supposed to end traffic deaths by 2030, but so far it seems like Denver streets are just getting more dangerous for pedestrians. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See ya! Womp womp. What to say about that? Okay.